Yo, this is the ancient Texan. And I have a pretty serious subject today. I want to look at the poor man's view of Corona, the coronavirus. Ah, might be better if it was a Corona beer. Uh, what right do I have to speak for the poor man? Um, I grew up poor. Never really left that mindset. Uh, Maybe a little late in my life to leave it now. My dad was a mechanic, made a hundred bucks a week. My mom worked in nursing homes. Four of us grew up in a 600 square foot house. We always had food. Um, But we knew we were on kind of a narrow boundary between us and the cliff. My dad uh, had a heart attack when I was 19. I interviewed at a smelter for a job. I was still in school. Um, They told me I could have the job and then the car that went in after me, uh, bricks went through the windshield. Oh, did I mention that I went to interview in a smelter when there was a strike on that I crossed the picket line? I remember Bill Kelly called me up and said, "Uh, we've decided to delay the start of your job um, because it's not safe. And I said to him, not having food is what's not safe. The picket line doesn't scare me. I think we're putting A lot of our Americans in that position were telling them not to cross the picket line when their food uh, their homes being able to take care of their children is at risk. My brother, uh, old dude like me, he gets 900 a month from Social Security. Nope, not enough to to pay his rent and food. So he works, he gets odd jobs. He's under the radar, he doesn't, uh, does handyman stuff. Sometimes does carpentry and does whatever he can to make a buck. And all of a sudden you tell him he can't work. It's like me going across that picket line. He's willing to risk the virus 
because he doesn't have a choice. And when government gives back money, they're not going to give any to him. There's a lot of people that our government doesn't ever give money to. And those people are being hurt by our current policies. A lot of Americans need work to eat that are on the black market, out of the reach of government. So what would be my plan for the coronavirus? Obviously, we need massive help to the hospitals. Uh, we need to send the U.S. military in uh, to the hot zones, just like they're a war zone. Um, help them, s let them set up tents, beds, um, get the U. I don't think we should have the military go in and run the ventilator factors. I think that's it. People that make them know how to make them. But give them huge economic incentives to run 24 hours a day and to just huge uh, economic incentives on the pull side and on the push side. Give, train an army for taking care of people in intensive care and move them from one hot spot to another. We act like, you know, the nurse skill can't be learned. Maybe it can't be learned as, as good as a nurse, but It can be learned good enough to save lives um, and considered on-the-job training. So move military in for the logistics and hardware. Um, massive training to get nurses that go from one hot spot to another. Then we have to open the rest of our economy. Yeah, there's a risk there, but um, it's got to be open. Maybe it doesn't have to be opened at full capacity, but let, let's just take an example of something like uh, Applebee's. You all kind of know what an inside of an Applebee's looks like. Imagine opening that up, but having people, you know, single file six feet apart. It's going to be spring here soon. They line up outside six feet apart. Families can cluster if they want to because they cluster at home. Then when you get in, imagine the seating being every other seat. Imagine the staff all being tested for corona virus once a week. Imagine people taking their temperature as they come through the door. Yeah, it's not business as normal, but all of a sudden you have 
fact, you may actually create a couple of extra positions because you get, you know, someone taking temperature and clearing people to come in, uh, going down the line, giving a person a, you know, a green tag or whatever that they've been cleared, had their temperature taken, they can go in. Um, you have another couple of people hired that, um, you know, wipe down the tables. Yeah, maybe you have to tip more people than you're used to. But you got a restaurant open, you got people working, you got a place to go out to. Maybe you bring your own sterile wipes with you. Is that perfect world? No. But if those people are sitting at home and don't have a job, I suspect they're willing to cross the picket line. Of course, when we open business, we still do at home all the business that we can do. And at work, maybe you enforce the same rules. You have, you don't have these clustered offices with, you know, people in tiny cubicles. You open it up with plenty of spacing between the, the desk or one person in an office. Maybe only half the people can come in, half the people um, go to work. Maybe have wipes everywhere. Maybe take people's temperature every day. Maybe if a person has a, you know, the tiniest of cough, they can't come in. Maybe the rules change, but the doors are open. You're working. You're letting people cross the picket line. The principle's actually pretty simple. You don't keep a poor man from his job, even if it risks uh, some people getting sick and dying, because those people um, that are on the edge like that, uh, there, there's not such a big gap between them being jobless, homeless, and dead on the side of the road. We can't make a choice for people that are in that position and make a value judgment for them on about whether it's worth the risk to society for them to go to work. What we're saying is, you know, people like myself that's got, you know, money in the bank and I work on a computer, we're willing to let uh, people like my brother bear the risk of this coronavirus. Now, if we were set up like Andrew Yang wants us to be a thousand dollars to a person, and we actually had a system set up for that, and then we actually were used to the government taking care of um, each other, uh, maybe we could do it, but we're just not set up we don't really have a way for government to reach the people that are most in need. Isn't that ironic? 
Right now, you may have noticed that uh, interest rates are getting close to zero. In some countries, they've actually gone negative. So they actually pay a bank to borrow money. Imagine you go somewhere to borrow money and they pay you to take the loan. That's what they're doing with banks. Now, what's the problem with that whole system? I mean, why the hell do you need to get negative rates? Because they give the money to the people that don't need the money. The banks don't have people to loan to. They're not loaning to the people that really need it. Because the people that really need it can't get a loan. So the whole, our whole system is structured on debt. But then we exclude most people, or many people, a big segment of our population, from having debt and being in this debt economy. Uh, it's, it's kind of a back-assward, upside-down system. It also, you know, we're printing money right now. Two trillion, I think, is what they're sending out to the population. Um, like it's nothing and that it's going to retain its whole value. Uh, of course, the Fed is buying up bonds. Basically, bonds are debt that uh, companies have. Companies have issued papers to borrow money. Um, and nobody wants that debt. So the Fed is buying it up, which means uh, they're kind of destroying the mechanism of the market, which is supposed to you know, destroy businesses that are not profitable and replace them with those that are. So we're screwing with the fundamental uh, structure of capitalism when we do that. Um, yet that doesn't quite seem to bother us. I think we've got ourselves into an awful mess. This coronavirus um, is about to underline and red ink for us. So, I think in the world that we've created, we really have no choice but to open the world for business. Maybe there's hot spots like New York where you have to keep it shut down. But for the most part, we have to open the world to keep our economy going, to keep more people off the streets and homeless and hungry. Uh, and then we have to man the hospitals. I'm not really sure we're talking about killing more people. Maybe we're talking about killing more people sooner. And maybe there are more people going to die. Um, but poor people are little you know, more associated with the cost of poverty than rich people are. Um, my dad didn't. They were already starting to have open heart surgeries and bypasses and stuff when my dad was growing up. You think that was going to happen for a mechanic? Made hundred bucks a week? Nope. When he needed tried to get on disability 
and they said he had to be on disability six months before he could get help. That's the world, you know, that poor people grow up in. My dad said, well, this is going to kill me. But he went back to work, and it killed him. So, pardon me. So when we start making policies that affect the poor, from our comfortable little houses, and sit in judgment about social distancing and how everyone should do it. I suggest you go ask some poor people what they're doing this week with their kids home, single family mother. Go ask the people hustling from one job, handyman job or whatever they can find to another. They get $900 a week social security. Go ask them what kind of policy needs to be in place. When you're living on the edge, this can be a lot harder than you think. Anyway, sorry about having a flashback to when I was growing up. Anyway, this is the ancient Texan. Namaste. Walking alone at even Viewing the skies afar Bidding the darkness come to Welcome these silver stars I have a great delight In the wonderful scenes above God in his power and might is Showing his truth and love Oh, for a home with God A place in his courts to rest mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.